when we read the parable of the prodigal son which Jesus told, we would have a great deal of sympathy with the father whenever that younger son comes to him and takes all that he is due and goes and leaves home. Surely the father's heart must have been breaking and we might say that we would probably have felt angry and upset at the treatment of the younger son of his father, throwing back in his face the training, the instruction, the encouragement, the love that he had received in the early years of his life. What a great hurt that was for the father to see the complete lack of respect and appreciation for his parents, ready just to to leave all without a thought. And worse for the father knew his son, he knew that when he would go off into the fireplace, this son of his would probably not do much good. He would squander his living. And as that son came home, we might have expected that the father would have been so upset and annoyed he wouldn't really want to see him. Or we might have expected him uh, if some attitude of remorse that he would have to take weeks and months to prove that he had a renewed and changed attitude. Certainly within families in the world and even within Christian homes we find that the hurt is carried and if some a member of the family comes back and looks to be restored, well, it takes a long time before they can prove that they truly have turned over a new leaf. But what about the father in the prodigal son? What a gracious father. He immediately, with open arms, goes and greets the son. He doesn't wait for this prodigal to prove his change of heart. He is ready to receive him. Such a gracious father. The moment the son appeared, his arms were open to receive and embrace him. What a wonderful picture. And it is the picture of the astounding grace of God that shines out throughout Scripture. And even though we're turning to the account of Noah, here too we see the grace of God. Because if we think about the verses in Genesis chapter 5 and now into chapter 6, what was going on? God's people, whom he created with himself, thrown back in the face of God everything he did for them. They have rebelled against him. They have gone their own ways. They have not given God the slightest thought. And when it comes uh, in the early verses of chapter chapter 6, we see their corruption until verse 8 where we find Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. 
What wonderful, gracious words. For Noah himself was a sinner like the rest. The story of the world is now going to continue through Noah. And what we're going to be thinking about today is how God in his outstanding mercy establishes his covenant with this man, Noah. Here we find in these verses we're thinking about from verse 9 to 22, we find the character of Noah. We find that in the face of the corruption of the world, we find the commission given to Noah. We find the covenant established with Noah. And then we find the command obeyed by Noah. So that's where we're going. First of all, we have the character of Noah. We Noah found favor in the eyes of God. And then in chapter 6, verse 9, we read that Noah was a righteous man. Here he is. The very beginning, and this is a third section, a major section in the book of Genesis, and here's the account beginning with a righteous man. What are we told about Noah? Well, that he was righteous, but that causes us to ask a question. Was he really all that good? Where did his righteousness come from? Because He was born in sin, just like all the others. And the answer we know is this, that Noah was found righteous, not because of anything that he had done, but because he believed God. How do we know that? Well, we turn to Hebrews chapter 11, in that great rule of honor where we read uh, that Noah was found righteous. And we read of his faith. And then we remind ourselves that in Hebrews 11 we are told that without faith it is impossible to please God. And the very next verse tells us that Noah was a man. Righteousness was granted to him because he believed God. It wasn't anything that he had done himself. He hadn't done a whole heap of good works and mighty deeds and therefore somehow found favor with God. No, he simply believed God and God credited to him as righteousness. In the exact same way, Abraham, who was a righteous man, how? Because God credited him with his faith as righteousness. And we need to be clear that that was the righteousness of God. It was the righteousness imputed or given to him. It was the righteousness of Christ as Noah by faith looked ahead to those days that would come. And so Noah in his character was a righteous man in the sight of God. But then, as we think about his character, the second thing we note is, and probably resulting from that, is that he was blameless before the people of his time. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. Does that mean he was perfect? Not at all. 
But he was blameless. Blameless in the sense that in comparison with the corruption around him, in all that was going on, his adopted attitudes, his way of life stood out because he honored God. He loved the Lord. He he wanted to do God's will. He did not adopt the evil attitudes and practices of the wicked. He was aware of all that he needed to do in faithfulness to God, and he did it. In his relationships with other people, he sought to be, to be a, a God-honoring and to be more sensitive to those around him. And that simply meant that others looked at him and said, well, he's a good man. He was blameless in their sight. They could not say anything against him because Noah sought to live in a right way with all people. He didn't cheat them. He wasn't careless with his words and speak vitriol against them even though they might have done against him. In other words, among the corrupt generation, Noah was a beacon of light a light to the way that people should have lived before God. Noah was a righteous man. Noah was blameless. But Noah was also a man who walked with God. Or perhaps we should have turned the whole thing around and said, here's where the character of Noah began. He walked with God. Who else walked with God? We know that Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Noah also is walking with God. He's in step with God. He's listening to the Lord's words. He is in God's will. He delights to be the God of heaven. But God has a different for Noah than he did for Enoch. God has a mighty work for Noah to do. And that work he commissions him to do in these verses. He walks with God as a friend. And when you and I walk with a friend, it's not just listening to their words, but it's having a deep concern to help them in times of need. It's a friendship that means you will put yourself out to encourage them and to do what pleases them. Noah walked with God. That's his character. Before we leave Noah's character, let to you, you and I, we need to learn from Noah's character. We need to learn, first of all, righteousness. Our righteousness is not something we have of ourselves. You're only counted righteous in God's sight through faith in Jesus Christ. You may think you've done good works and you maybe have done many wonderful things. But your righteousness that is of any value must be of Jesus. He came to live the righteous life. And just the same as Noah, you're trusting in Jesus Christ and his righteousness is the only thing that will matter. Are you counted righteous in God's sight? Not because you've done a number of good works. Not because you've tried to serve in the church or done whatever it is. But simply because 
who believe in Jesus. As a people who seek to live for God, we will do many righteous works. And even as Christians, we have this great danger that we get come before God, we plead our own righteousness, our own abilities and our own good works. What disaster awaits for those who depend upon what they have done. Let's go back for a moment to Noah. What happened later in Noah's life? This righteous man. Well, he fell into sin. He fell into sin. He acted in a very strange and poor way. He demonstrated his frailty. You and I are the same. And if our righteousness is linked can do what we can do. It is empty. It must be of God. What about the blamelessness? Are you blameless? Do people in society, do people in the community know your character is one that stands out? You will speak honestly. You will speak calmly. You will not speak ill of people when you have only half the facts. Are you blameless? I'm not asking, are you perfect? But before the world, are you known as someone as God? And because of that, your word is your bond. If you say you will do a thing, that person can go away and assume it is done. Are you blameless? Friends, Christians ought to stand out in our day as people of character. People who are doing what is good. People, whenever the finger is being pointed, it can never point at them because they know, it is known that these people are genuine. They give their, their best. They pay their bills. They're careful about how they speak of others. They are ready as God's people, even to take hurt that others might not be hurt. Are you blameless like Noah? And then, of course, there's the third aspect which must underpin these two. Do you walk with God? If you're not walking daily with God, it's unlikely that you'll be as blameless as you should and You may not even be as righteous as you think you are, even in Christ. If you are trusting in Jesus Christ, daily walk with your friend Jesus is an essential. Opening up his word, listening to his direction for life, is the only way you can go forward. If he truly is Lord and Master, it will be your delight to walk with him in prayer and hear his word. So let's take a leaf out of Noah's book. As we think about his character, his righteousness, his blamelessness, his walk with God, be encouraged to seek to follow that example. Secondly, in these verses, We have the corruption of the world. It is against the backdrop of a a corrupt 
and evil society that the character of the man of God of Noah shines out. And let us be clear that people on the earth did not think themselves corrupt. The people in Noah's day were enjoying liberty. In their view, they were simply doing what felt good. You heard that before. They were callous, violent, sensuous in their nature, but they saw no problem with that because everybody's doing it. It could have been said by them that this is the way of life and this is just the way it is, so we enjoy it. Let's get on with it. But note God's assessment. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and filled with violence. God's judgment of the matter was completely different to those who were being judged, the corruption of the world. And there's a lesson for you and me today. It's a lesson that the godless around us need to learn. We see people around us and they say the very same things. They say, but everybody's doing it, so it must be all right. We're simply doing what feels good. It's enjoyable. I am getting something out of it. So surely it's fine. The assessment of man in our age is that the depths of sin that they're in is just the norm. And it's okay. Be clear about this. As we speak to the godless around us, God's assessment is this. The earth is corrupt in God's sight and full of violence. And that violence is extending. And you don't have to refer again to our present situation with the violence of abortion. That is corruption and wicked in the sight of God. And God is a judge, and he will judge the world. Man in Noah's day were going about quite happy in their wickedness. But the judgment of God was about to fall upon them. And that is a message that you and I need to get across to men and women today. The judgment of God is coming. In fact, in some cases, you might even say, the judgment of God has begun. Whenever Jesus Christ went to the cross and defeated Satan, that was God's judgment on the evil one. Satan is defeated. He may be as a raging lion stirring up all the corruption he can, but his fate and the fate of every individual who follow him and who will not listen to the gospel is sealed. And we need to live with the reality of that judgment before us and be prepared to say to people, you are on the broad road that leads to destruction. They may not like it, but it's the truth. And they need to hear truth. How often we let our own standards slip into the standards of the world 
I wondered as God looked down his people who have made profession and see some corruption of heart. That we have imbibed the lies of Satan and the world. Consider your own ways. Have you always acted in the light? Or are there times you're ashamed of and you need to come before God and say, Father, forgive my sin. It could be argued with you. You may argue with yourself, but it was the best way and it was the only way. But friends, if it doesn't please, but it's not the way. It's the wrong way and must be left off. God sees the corruption of the world today. And the day will come when Jesus Christ will come. As in the days of Noah, God will deal with the wicked. But God is so loving and gracious. As in the days of Noah, he commissioned Noah to do a mighty work. He commissioned him to go and do something that was absolutely astounding. In the midst of the bleak picture all around him, what was Noah to do? He was to do something that was, in the world's view, utterly stupid and crazy. He was to build a huge big boat We call it the ark. And he was to do that in a place where there was no sign of flooding or water and where never before was it known that waters had raised above ground level for very long. And that this huge boat was going to be of any value to the world around it looked utter nonsense. But God's word to Noah is go and build the ark. This is God's salvation. And every day when Noah and his family were kneeling on the planks and dealing with every dimension of the ark, testimony to the corruption around them. People ought to have been saying, Noah, what are you doing? Well, Noah probably did answer them. I'm doing the Lord's will. I'm building an ark for my salvation because God is going to wipe clean the earth of all corruption. But no one listened because they were corrupt in their hearts. So Noah did build an ark. God set down the very dimensions, the design and the reason why this was to be done. Floods were going to come on the earth. Noah built an ark. In the face of the world, it looked foolish. God gives Noah not only design, but all those who are to come into the ark, bring in food and so on. Friends, God has given you and me also a commission. Perhaps he's given me a more particular commission as a meat preacher, as a minister of the gospel. He has given us as his people are commissioned, go into all the world, preach. And to the world it is utter folly to tell them of a man who was on a cross 2,000 years ago and that he's risen from the grave. Men will mock and scorn. You can be the butt of many a joke. 
Add to that that God is going to flood the earth. Well, in our case, no. But that this man is going to come again in glory and all who reject him will be cast out from his presence. Is the world going to be favorable to such a message? It seems that they won't listen. But friends, here is the Father's love. Here is God's grace. In the days of Noah, an ark was to be built for Noah's salvation. And if only one had come and said, Noah, can I come into the ark? What a wonderful blessing they would have received. Today, God has given the gospel to be proclaimed. And whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Enter into Christ and you will have eternal life. We can think in the days of Noah how the cartoonists, if there had been such, the uh, people have spoken about Noah. You can imagine down the local tavern many a wry joke made at Noah's expense. They would have been laughing and mocking. And is the same not the way they treat the gospel today. They laugh in the face of the good news through a risen Savior and that there's a hell for those who will not enter in. And so friends, if Noah was commissioned to build an ark for salvation, God through his holy word says to every servant of his, you're mine. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. Every one of us has a responsibility to have a character like Noah so we shine out as beacons and point the way to the gospel so that people ask us, what's this all about? Why do you oppose abortion and gay marriage? Why are you taking such strong stand because we believe in a God who is a saviour and those ways are leading to wickedness. Will you answer boldly in the name of the Lord? It's your commission to do so. Fourthly, we have the covenant established and in a way as God commissions Noah He is establishing his covenant, but he makes it very clear in verse 18. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. God is saying to Noah, my covenant love is upon you. I am doing this, Noah. I am taking the way ahead. You are going to be saved Because I have loved you. And you should take note, it is God's doing. Yes, Noah had to put the ark together, but had it not been for God directing every plank and go, he couldn't have done it. God established his covenant. And that's the pattern. God always establishes covenant with his people. He did so later through Abraham He did so at the cross through Jesus Christ. He says to you and me, I have established my covenant. I have dealt with your sin in my son, Jesus Christ. I have punished him in your place. 
More than that, He has lived for you that His righteousness may be yours. I have dealt with all the issues on the agreement, God says. All you have to do is believe. The covenant is established. Whosoever believes can enter into covenant with God and receive the perfect righteousness that is Christ's. We need to proclaim today that the covenant love of God is there for all who will truly seek Him. We need to preach the Word and make it known. Are you in covenant with God? Every time we come to the Lord's table, I make that reference. We are entering into, we're renewing our vows, we're renewing our commitment, we're renewing our covenant bond with our Savior. We are in covenant love with Him, for He has loved us in the sending of His Son. Then lastly, and in a word, what did Noah do? Well, the command was obeyed. Verse 22 stands out remarkably. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Noah acted in utter obedience. Noah didn't make the plans for the ark and thought, well now, I maybe could do it a bit differently. I could make it this way or that way. He didn't redesign or deviate in any way. He had no liberty to change what God was doing. Perhaps Noah might have thought, well, if I build more of a barge, that would be a night. Not at all. It was God's way and God's command that was to be obeyed and that's what Noah did. And today a corrupt generation will want to... Well, we, we know there's a better way. We, we could do it this way. But friends, man's deviation from the word of the living God will lead only to hell itself. For it is the command of God And that word of God alone that is to be obeyed. We uh, hold the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments up as the living word of God. The only rule for faith and practice. That's why when we come to worship, we are concerned only to do what we have been instructed in the word of God. To seek to honor him to the very best of our ability. The command was obeyed. And when we come to walk with God and learn of His commands to the very best of our sinful, frail abilities by the help of the Holy Spirit, we are to obey His command. And His first command is to love the Lord Jesus Christ and to serve and to follow Him. What's your character? In the face of a career. Are you following the commission God has given? Are you ready to enter into covenant and obey the command of the Lord?